Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. everybody and welcome to the future of marketing and esports. I'm your host Rebecca Langawa and today with me I have Amir Zanozi. Amir is the co-founder and the president of Zoomph. Z-O-O-M-P-H. Zoomph. How's it going Amir? Nailed it. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome <laughs> to be here. Excited to chat with you. I'm a devoted listener to the to the cast so this is uh this is going to be a fun pod for me. Awesome. Thank you. So with when COVID happened and Zoom and Zoom without a PH was blowing up, how much confusion were you guys getting between the Zoom and the Zoom confusion? Oh my gosh. So actually New York Times did an article on the amount of startups that have speed related names in there. And so we got featured in it by just having one of you know a name close to Zoom. Uh, we do use Zoom, and that was a very. We laughed a lot during the sign up process with them, uh, and uh, you know, every time I see their logo, uh, you know, friends. When I guess they sponsor the Bulls, and then people, and then the Sharks. So everyone writes PH after it and sends me screenshots, which is a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's we hear everything from Zoom, PH, uh, and then uh, Zoo miles per hour and all this kind of stuff. But we joke around. The neat, the story is not that exciting of how we got to it. So we just tell everyone that it's uh, blacked out. It's redacted. We can't tell you exactly how the name came to be. Just because it's such a boring story. It's but better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we were trying to like tell the story. And we're like, you know what? Just tell everyone that it's top secret. We can't tell you what it how it came to be. Right. Well, maybe, you know, maybe that's just fine. It doesn't really matter, right? No, it doesn't. I mean, you know, oh, you everyone loves those stories, right, of how things came to be. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about you because I know you came from the advertising world. Yeah. You worked with athletes at Minnesota Timberwolves. You're now in esports. You have this communications and brand background. Like, I'm, I'm excited to hear about your journey and how you got here. Have, have you gone down that path on the on the episode, am I allowed to hijack the questions? You can, you can, we're just a total conversation. You can ask me whatever. Yeah. Like, all right. So we'll, we'll start with you and then we'll go, we'll go with me. Uh, Mine's boring, probably in comparison to yours. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I really have like an interesting little career. I would say 90% um, grit and the rest, maybe 10% just like dumb luck and really leaning in on, I like to raise my hand, which I guess throughout my career means that I've taken on a lot of work, a lot of grunt work, but I was really lucky to grow up in a household where when I got into middle school, my mom took a job and she, she literally just like worked in the warehouse. She wasn't a marketer. Like she never went to college. She just got a job in the warehouse kind of overseeing fulfillment. They did a lot of direct marketing there, like where you would like get up, kind of like those, the, it was jewelry, but the same concept as like those CDs that people used to get in the mail where you'd like, they'd send them to you unless you opted out. That's what they did. It was called the house of Holstead. Anyways, 
So the summer after eighth grade, I started kind of interning there every summer and working and making like minimum wage. And I started by like stuffing envelopes and then inspecting product before it got shipped out. That's what I did. And then over the years, I ended up having my summer internship right underneath like their marketing department and working with their marketing department. But it's funny because I didn't think about that as a career path for myself. So when I was going to school, I really was interested in political science. That's what I was like really excited about. And I had an internship at the Minnesota State Senate. And I was like, nope, <laughs> I don't want to do this. I don't want to work with these people. The Like it was totally shattered my vision of, I felt like everybody, I kind of in my mind thought everybody was like Paul Wellstone, who was a Senator from Minnesota. And he was like, super dynamic. And he spoke in a way that made you think that he was going to change the whole world. And then you work in an environment on the state Senate side. And I just was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It's not, it's like, it wasn't inspiring to me at all. So I took like an entry-level job and in, in a marketing uh, role, total entry-level job. And I just rose my hand for anything and everything designers wanted help putting mood boards together. I'd stay till eight, nine o'clock at night, making sure something got out. They, they created a, a interactive department and they hired this producer who had been, she's older. She'd been a producer for years, really, really talented. And they put her in charge of this interactive department and asked if they, there were two of us that were working basically traffic, you know, like routing layouts and stuff. And they brought us in a room and they said, can one of you help this woman, you know, on this, on this interactive department? And I was like, I'll do it. Sounds cool. And in about three months, she quit. I mean, it was like, and I can imagine now, like if you'd only done one thing, if you are like the expert in print and have to all of a sudden learn about digital and websites and FedEx's intranet and all of these complex things, it was really overwhelming for her. So I was promoted at 22 years old to lead production for the interactive department, which, you know, ended up bringing me into an all digital agency a few years later. So, you know, partly luck, but also raising my hand and having a lot of grit and saying, I don't understand it, but I'm going to go to Borders Books and buy a bunch of books on coding and like idiot's guide to web development and like just learn the vernacular. Really, you just have to understand like how things come together. And then when I was at this all digital agency, the Timberwolves uh, were one of our clients, the NBA, Orlando Magic. We had a lot of um, entertainment and sports clients. And I um, worked on all of our sports entertainment clients as a account manager and producer and project manager. We were nimble. We were a startup. And that's kind of how my career working in the NBA started, um, just through having them as a client and volunteering to do things and being the person to raise their hand and go the extra mile and that gets noticed, you know? So I tell a lot of young people, you don't need to, first, you don't need to know your entire path. You just need to start experiencing and living and working and seeing uh, by experiencing, seeing where you'd like to go and then, you know, go for it. Right. So I only, I only went to college for a year and I feel like I have a really built uh, an extraordinary career that's really built on boots on the ground experience, you know? So that's me. That's, that's my deal. That's absolutely amazing. And uh, there's a lot of similarities in my path as well that, that I heard in yours, but kudos to you. One, uh, there's not a lot of women in sports. There's not a lot of women in esports. that's changing. So you're fighting against the current, you know, to, uh, in, in a, from an early 
point in uh, in both those industries. So you know it's not easy, and your ability to withstand with grit and learn and adapt to the challenges that come your way, you know that's a philosophy that we kind of. Uh, double down on is like we run towards obstacles. We figure out where they are. And if you figure out how to scale that, then find the next one and run after it. And it seems like that's the type of uh, person that you are, which is awesome to hear. And uh, no, that's exciting. It, it's in yeah. what I'm laughing is, uh, you know, our background originally, we came as a project from the Obama administration. We worked with the State Department. So politics and federal was our early entry into it as well. Uh, I, I worked at, uh, I was in grad school at the time, and it was a State Department, and we would look at speeches before, during, and after within this agency. And so we would try to understand, okay, when a speech is done here, how would people in the Arab Spring on Twitter kind of react to that content? And uh, we originally didn't have the tools to kind of get it done. And we did things like Justin Bieber popped up on a report because we were using clout at the time. And uh, do you remember clout? It was mm-hmm. like maybe not in your entire audiences and thank God they won't, but it was just basically a score on your popularity on social media. And Bieber mentioned the right word and we're like, Oh God, he's a Canadian and he's, you know, a, a pop star, not shouldn't be on a state department report. And, but he just mentioned the right words. And so we filtered out all the people that weren't, you know, relevant to the conversation. They were like, we love this. We want this platform every day. And they went to our boss who uh, is only one of our business partners and our chairman here at Zimf and, uh, Ali was like, what the hell are you, are these guys talking about? There's no platform. And we came and showed him what we were working on. And, uh, you know, he saw and he was like, guys, this is one awesome too. Uh, it's, it's never going to work in government at the time. This is way back in 2011 ish. And, uh, and so he was like, work on this nights and weekends. You have access to the building. If we make this something, you guys can run this. And originally we were a fan engagement platform. We had nothing to do with analytics, nothing to do with esports. We would take social media content and visualize it, you know, at live events and stadiums and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we just, but we realized over time, we were just listening to our customers. They were driving us in analytics and we worked with Instagram, Coca-Cola, HP, didn't matter, but it was so tough. And we really realized, you know, focus. And eventually at one time, uh, much like you, I came into esports through traditional sports. It was like 2018. And mm-hmm. we had a Cowboys come to us and they were like, hey, we don't want to use you guys for marketing and fan engagement. We want to use you guys to track our sponsorship deals that we have. It's getting a little too difficult. You guys seem to have something that our marketing team thinks will work. And we were like, with all due respect, we're good. Thank you. We're not a partnership platform tool. We're marketers, right? And yeah. uh, they were just like, are you, what, you know, like, uh, you know, what, what the hell are you guys saying and thinking to say no to the Cowboys? So we came back and we said, okay, let's try it. And lo and behold, we, we nailed it. We did a different project with MSG where we looked at their audience data and they can help find partners. Came from a screenshot or a cell phone shot of a whiteboard they sent us. And we were able to kind of build it for them. We... 2019, we were like, okay, this is it. Partnerships. Like, you know, our, we've been struggling to kind of get this to go. We found every way that didn't work within the industry. You know, never quite failure, never quite success. We just kind of, you know, our whole thing is celebrate the cockroach, not the unicorn. Find a way to get to the next day. <laughs> And, you know, uh, we took the beginning of 2019, we lost some team members. People were like, this isn't going to work. We love you guys. We're out. This is, and uh, lo and behold, you know, we we came in, one of our first customers was uh, the Pittsburgh Knights. 
uh, in, in esports. I was always into gaming, but never like really into competitive esports. Uh, you know, I'm back in the day, Halo kind of, you know, Call of Duty. And, uh, and, you know, I learned a tremendous amount through them. And, you know, we, they pushed us and they taught us everything that, you know, we needed to do. And then we got Team Liquid, then we got other customers. We work with uh, version one and the amazing team there. And like, Every time we just run towards those obstacles to kind of hear where's our point of weakness, where do we got to put our efforts in to kind of fix it? And now, you know, lo and behold, we're in the partnerships analytics world, and I'm talking to game changers like you and uh, in esports, and it's it's super exciting, and uh, you know, can't wait to see how this industry. It's just you know, we're right before you know it really takes off, and I'm just so pumped to see where this is going. I love it. So for people listening that aren't really familiar with how it works, right? Can you yeah. kind of break down like a, you know, four minute elevator pitch of like, how does Zoom, how does Zoom work? And why is it? I mean, we do use it at version one, and it is instrumental, right for us. So can you kind of talk about like what you hear from your clients? And yeah, I'm going to need to cut that clip and play it for my mom. Uh, no, but two is it's basically we're a partnership analytics platform. We look at attention as currency and content as commerce. And what we want to understand is what is the value of exposure that these organizations are bringing to their branded partners. Now, th- at the end of the day, fans are the oxygen that we this entire ecosystem lives and breathes on. For one second, if we're not authentic or if we're not helping the, the, the organizations that we work with and the brands that we work with not being authentic, especially in esports. Oh my gosh. You know, like it's going to be called out. It's not going to work. We all know that it's, you know, we're all, we're all aware of that. So the one thing that makes us different than other partnership platforms is we've invested years into an audience analytics database. And what that means is we are not doing creepy stuff. We're ingesting uh, 400, almost 400, uh, 345 million profiles, sorry. And basically we're anonymizing them, we're aggregating them. And so you can see that how do people express themselves based off their digital behavior? Um, are they into, you know, one thing was when Louis Vuitton made the, you know, League of Legends trophy case when they first, and they did the skins and they did all these different activations within it. You know, there wasn't previously a high-end fashion brand experience act for us to leverage, but then we were able to replicate that engagement to understand what affinities are there to high fashion. And we were able to see that women gamers have 2.2 times more likely an association of fashion to men and gaming, right? And to leverage those insights to help find the right partners so that it is authentic. Um, but actually, you know, we're processing all of the social media content coming in. We're using AI to locate a brand or object. So if it's a jersey, if it's a headset, and then we're identifying the amount of exposure time, the clarity, and coming out with the price based off the concurrent viewers, the the total VOD viewers, uh, the social media engagements, Instagram stories. Uh, we, we translate that into the value both for the organization and to the brand, uh, and then always aligning it back to do fans actually care about this or not. I love that. And you know, what really was striking to me when I was like first having conversations with your team about the platform was white space, like, and and you alluded to it, right? Being able to understand where those affinities are. And um, from a partnership perspective, especially like where I'm at, where I'm having, I basically take marketing strategy, right? That I've been on that end, right? And I'm talking to partners and trying to understand what their goals and objectives are. And I'm only good if I'm able to help them 
um, in a really kind of authentic way, figure out where they're going to fit in the ecosystem. At the same time, when I'm on a brand side or a team on the team side, on the endemic esports side, it's trying to figure out really what is a, what are partnerships that make the most sense and how can we be, how can we have like these special nuggets, this special insights that when you can even cold outreach to somebody, you already know that you're speaking from a place of truth. You're not guessing if that partner is going to resonate with your audience. You can let them know that, you know, so many people are already following your brand, right? So let's, let's leverage that. Or maybe they're following their, the brand's, you know, competitor. And how do we take some of that space? I have a coughing dog in the background. I'm healthy and fine over here. So no, 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 no worries. And I don't even, we don't even need to cut him out. We can keep coughing flyer in there. He coughs and farts at the same time. It's he's 16. It's a whole vibe. So the cops are you. No, no, I'm just kidding. But no, so absolutely, you know, you you nailed it, Rebecca. So, you know, our whole, you know, pitch is impressions, engagements, not created equal, the different audience segmentations that are engaging with that content uh, is incredibly valuable information. And, you know, we have a saying that, you know, the team rolls their eyes when I say it, but niches get riches. And the more niche your focus is to that specific audience, and you tell a story for to personalize them based on that, the more they're going to respond, the more they're going to regrade, the more they're going to raise their hands and say, yes, I'm here. And there's others like me here. That's awesome. And it's amazing. I mean, you see LAFC creating a gaming club, uh, audio club, uh, uh, a running club, you know, they, they really, you know, as a not traditional sports team, uh, you know, they really are trying to brace different ways to engage, you know, their, their fans and the different pockets that they come to and join them with. And that's what we specialize, right? Like we want to understand, like, for example, the most popular gaming titles with women fans are League of Legends, Pokemon Go, FIFA, Call of Duty, uh, you know, popular esport leagues, uh, Overwatch League, Twitch Rivals. We have a report that's coming out on female gaming, so I'm just kind of reading off that. It's, it's going to launch on Wednesday that we're pretty excited about. But, you know, the, no, understanding those different segmentations, finding the right partner, that is already there, right? It's decoding that and then working backwards to show that brand or partner that there is data here to validate. Let's pour some jet fuel on this. Let's make this uh, a much pronounced activation that we can both engage with our fans in a way that seems authentic in a way that is not going to be, you know, repelled. It's a way that makes sense. And apologies. Right. I've got babies in the background screaming. I'm not That's sure if you guys can hear them. Screaming babies, barking or coughing dogs. I would love for you to share a little bit about like coming from working with traditional and you're working with both right now, right? These traditional sports versus the esports properties um, I would imagine that their their needs are different. Um, how have you guys evolved to meet kind of both of those expectations at, at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I shared with my my story with you. I'm I'm a foreigner, right? And I'm uh, not just of I'm an American born, but Iranian background. And uh, it, but uh, you know, in sports, I never worked on a sports team. In esports, I've never worked on an esports team. You know, gaming and all that. And so what. That allows me to, you know, I'm, I'm a problem solver at the end of the day. So I, what I love doing is just listening to and identifying where those gaps are between what they need. And to us, whether it's sports or esports is, no, there's absolutely nuances and details that we double click on. But like, 
it's a tension at the end of the day that we're trying to understand between the two and help them identify you know, what that value is, uh, what you saw stranger things. I saw sponsored things, whether, you know, there's JC Penny, Nike, you know, and all the, you know, uh, Polaroid. And so whether it's film, entertainment, music, gaming, traditional sports, these are all expressions of culture that we're trying to capture and, uh, you know, uh, understanding if they're dog lovers, understanding if they're dog lovers with dogs that cough, you know, all those different ways that we can help, you know, resonate within it. But traditional sports, you know, they're working on improving, I think, their integrated marketing. There's no one better than integrated marketing than esports, uh, you know, in the, in the different game organizations that are out there. Just watching the video of 100 Thieves and what they were doing with Little Nas X and that, you know, great collaboration to double down, you know, that they have their intern in there from JBH that does their JBL audio integrated marketing campaigns, Uh, you know, and then on the traditional, but on esports, you know, what I noticed is they're not traditionally really great at first party data, capturing information on a more detailed way to understanding, you know, how their uh, fans are engaging with them in different ways and getting that more information might be just the audience in itself is a little bit more aware and a little less likely to give some of that information. Uh, But, you know, uh, and, for us, it, you know, both sides have different strengths and it's really, but we try to rush to find what their different obstacles are. And some teams were helping them understand what their rate card should be for doing social media deals. One eSports, we were helping them do a white space analysis for a cryptocurrency. One, justifying the cryptocurrency's attention within their fan base. Two, understanding where that asset should be placed on their jersey based on the exposure time that they're able to present. So like we rush towards these challenges, even though we're a cloud-based SaaS platform, you can go in there, touch list, do whatever you need to do. I don't want to talk to Amir and deal with his uh, crazy metaphors, then you can do that. Or you can work with us and we can, you know, solve challenges. We try to, um, you know, put ourselves around the client and have them, you know, we make ourselves flexible in that capacity so that we're always hearing what their challenges are. And if I were always in a place like, I just, I would love to hear you vent. I would love to hear every customer vent. So when I'm hearing that, I'm like, oh my God, they're trying to do that. That's fascinating. How do we make that easier for them to capture that? Or how do we uh, express that through the data that we're already doing? And there's always ways that, you know, we can reinvent the data, the re- slice it in a different way to show that value, if that kind of makes sense. Not yeah. sure if I kind of cheated out of that question or, you know, went no, a little too in depth. It was yeah. a great answer. You know, like I, I've, I've worked, um, uh, you know, on the agency side, some of the things also include like really hard, complex building custom things for clients, um, building backend systems. I feel like for me, what has happened is, um, on occasion is clients are wanting things to be so specific that you kind of risk losing focus of like its original purpose. How do you balance that? Yeah, it's uh, that's such a great question. I mean, we, we just had um, a conversation about this earlier today uh, and, you know, being in a startup, I still consider us a startup. I mean, we're 30 people less than series a not, not haven't done a series a yet. Um, you have to be nimble and you have to be flexible and you have to constantly, there was a book recently, Adam Grant put out uh, amazing organizational psychologist for your listeners that might not be aware of his work. And the book was called rethink. And basically the premise of the book, spoiler alert is uh, you should be indecisive and you should look at data as it presents itself and change your opinion frequently as new data surfaces itself to make sure that you're making the right choice. 
One, you know, we're making a big choice in a product feature that I can't quite announce yet in a direction that we want to add and grow in. And uh, other ideas pop up. There's no bad idea, but how do we serve something that would generate more value to our customers at a bigger number? Uh, so there's that 80-20 rule where you want to provide as much value as possible for as many of your customers. There's been times where we've had a customer that they wanted specific features that just was not uh, you know, something that we could prioritize on our end, no matter how much they paid us. There's other customers that are, we have features that we have to go after. So we actually let them out of the agreement. We said, look, we want what's best for you. We can't focus on this specific language's sentiment, right? That was not something that we were working on at the moment. And so we wish them the best. And that way, you know, it's, we're staying true to ourselves, true to our customers and the value that we're going after, but it's constantly a conflict. And I think that conflict between what every customer wants and what your roadmap is, is healthy for us to constantly question, is this the right move to proceed forward? And, you know, we want that, that conflict is what grinds out diamonds and that that's where we want to be. And um, I would imagine that you kind of have a constant evolving roadmap of enhancements that you're working to integrate. Did you, when you started building this platform, you know, like you said, like it was your, you had your nine to five and then you were like, this was like your five to nine. Were you like, were you physically developing it? Are you a coder? Is that what your background is? No. Yeah. I've never coded in my life. And probably my team thanks me for that. Whenever I try to do anything, they're just like, Amir, get the hell out. But, you know, it's, uh, I've always been a, so in the beginning I was, you know, my whole, like, you know, your, your way of life of how you found your career. Mine was social. It's uh, from the moment I signed on AIM. I felt more comfortable engaging with people through a keyboard than in person. And that helped me kind of, you know, with my communication skills. So I always leaned into social and how to use those tools on my end. And I always have a lens of a community builder aspect to it. Cause I was community manager was my dream job of just like, you know, being the brand and the voice of an, a brand and helping engage and grow an audience. And so, uh, you know, I was the first, the main user of it, the power user. So not, I wouldn't build the car, but I would drive the car better than anyone else. But as we grew, I became a worse driver and we found other drivers that were better than me. And so we use that as a way to help our team kind of continuously advancing as we have power users to help us leverage that. So Jeff Blasted on our team does these phenomenal reports and analysis. He's using the tool in cutting edge ways that most customers won't. But we use look at the ways that he uses it and we automate it. And that's how we sort of like use our roadmap or journey is like, let's do the difficult stuff that require manual work in order to achieve that result. And then finding ways of automating it to make it easier for the rest of the world to kind of uh, use it in those different ways. But I, you, we wear a tremendous amount of hats. Uh, you know, I uh, was, uh, you know, the social media, I still tweet a lot, engage on the social handle under brand voice. They probably don't want me in there anymore, but um, you know, sales, you know, was a role, you know, you're just constantly changing hats. Um, and then the best thing ever as an entrepreneur is as you grow, you're able to fire yourself from the things that you suck at. And so there's tons of things that I'm, you know, that you have to have self-awareness on that you're not good at. And we try to find people that 
have a chip on their shoulder that uh, have been looking for a role to be themselves and express themselves. And I just get the hell out of their way once they get here. And we try to find those special, unique individuals and bring them abroad and just cover our weaknesses and double down on our strengths of the individuals that we found. So that that's helped us as we've grown. Um, you know, right now, you know, we just brought on an amazing person that's Esports only working with customers. He comes from esports. He used to be a competitive background. Uh, not to put you know our other people on our team on customer success are amazing, but uh, this person has just more in depth knowledge that can help us unlock even more in that space. Well, you know, niches get riches, right? <laughs> I know a dumb guy that said that before. I wrote that down. I literally wrote that on my notebook sitting next to me. Uh, it's it's awesome. I like. Thank fun. you nuggets to go home with. Um, I know I have all these cheesy rhyming things that, uh, you know, my freestyling career never really took off. So esports and traditional sports will have to do, you know, you could always create your own little Twitch show. That'd be fun. I would love that. You know, we have one of our employees, actually two of our employees, one of them, he goes through different hobbies. One was learning the steel guitar and he would play the ukulele on Twitch as he was training and practicing. Another one was, uh, he does work while he's streaming himself and engages with his audience. And that's something I, I would love to do. We do have the Zoom Twitch handle and we want to create a show on it. Uh, at, right now, like a lot of my roles won't allow me to create and edit the content, but I used to vlog. I used to create podcasts, uh, then I had kids and all that free time went to, went away, but I need to find, you know, editors and creators to kind of help me. But the power of storytelling towards video, there's nothing quite like it, especially when you're a business and you're able to have people empathize and see you as humans. Uh, you know, we, we, that's the power of storytelling and the power of the, you know, creating this content. And I'm sure a lot of people meet you, Rebecca, like for the first time, like myself, I was like, you know, I want to hear more about your son and his investments and, you know, the car and like, what is he doing on, I think you said Coinbase or one of the, you know, all those things. And I felt like I really genuinely knew you because I was listening to you for so long. And so there's that relationship that people build with you along the way that you, you know, there's less content creators than content consumers. But if you can find a way to create content, if you can find a way to create an audience, you absolutely need to lean into that. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like, he will say to me, like, don't talk about, quit talking about me. Like my friends listen to your show and it's embarrassing and blah, blah. But I'm like, it's hard not to, because I live with a little living, breathing Gen Z, like, you know, he's, he's my golden nugget. I mean, I literally have a, a subject matter expert in my house that can give me insight right away. Even, even like uh, uh, one of my buddies, Brad Smith, who works at Belong Gaming um, was like, Hey, can you ask Roman, like, what are the grab and go snacks that he likes when he goes like to the skate park? Cause Roman goes to like an indoor skate park. He's a member of, and they have like a grab and go. He's like, we're like, what is like, what should we have for grab and go snacks? Like what are kids actually eating and wanting to like grab and, and snack on. Right. So, yeah. so quick. It's- and Roman can go into discord and ask like his buddies or do a little group chat and like ask them what, what their must haves are. And he curated a little, literally in like a little Excel spreadsheet file and sent it to me so I could send it on. Like, I love that's that. Amazing. Like, that's so it's hard not to talk about him because he is so much a part of what makes me successful too. Right. Like, is this cool? Like what is, do people say sheesh anymore? Like what's going on? Like help me out. Right. What's cool. I have no idea. 
I'm yeah, so, yeah. So just no, it, it it's 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 funny. Like you know, there's a lot of times I'll say things to do things, and people on my team will laugh and be like, "You're too old to say that." But you know, it's it's as you know, and I didn't realize this too when we were being marketed too. But it's like as you age, it's harder to kind of connect with what's trending, what's new. You don't have that same time of time investment. But then also uh, the genera- Romans generation, right? They're standing on the shoulders of giants. They've got these networks that they've built upon where they can crowdsource and use the wisdom of the crowd very quickly. And so, you know, their ability to tap into knowledge is just a different path. We would have to, like you said, find, you know, uh, books for dummies and like, you know, and, and all that. Now it's, there's a YouTube video, you know, where they can go and learn stuff. You know, for me, when we first got into gaming, I wasn't a League of Legends kind of guy. That wasn't my vibe. I was more Call of Duty. And so I would watch YouTube videos just on people talking about it, presentations, stuff like that. But it's just, you know, it's compounding the amount of knowledge that's happening and how quickly people are able to jump into new things and learn. But yeah, absolutely. It's so hard to understand what's new, what's trending, what's coming next. And if you have access to that, absolutely. You're going to be fascinated. You know, it's, you know, I've got my son, uh, he just turned three and the other one just turned one. They're going to be corn teenagers. They're going to be impacted by this entire thing. And so how will they be different? How are they experiencing? How do they shop? How do they, you know, is everything going to be in a Fortnite concert when they do what they do? You know, all of that is going to be just uh, all interesting and fascinating to us who had to find different ways in 56k modems that we had to try to quiet to try to get access to the internet. I think Cheryl Sandberg, I'm almost positive it's her quote. She said um, something along the lines of uh, if you would have like people were always asking her like how she got to where she was. Right. And she said, there's no way to plan for, for that. If she it didn't exist yet, by the way. Right. So, and that's how I feel about the way my career has gone. Like I couldn't have created a pathway to work in esports when I started my career, esports wasn't even called esports. It was just like these, you know, gaming competitions. Right. And I worked at this digital agency, Space 150. Um, one of our illustrators, like a real illustrator, was part of a 24 hour comic book club. And once a year, they would, be locked in a room somewhere and they would each make their own comic book for 24 hours. They'd design it, they'd write it, and then they'd publish it and sell it every year. And, um, you know, like culturally that to me was, and still is super dope, really cool. And then some of our, some of our staff would do these like 24 hour gaming things where they would, they would do it at somebody's house, but they'd all bring their gaming setups. And it was like their own little, land center. And this would have been like 2005, 2006. So quite a bit ago, um, maybe even earlier than that. And it's just been really cool to be around, first of all, working with super creative, innovative people and soaking in that energy is what drives me, which I'm super passionate about and learning from them because I, I'm a lover of learning. Um, but then like, you know, going through your career, just thinking about what's next and preparing for what's next. Um, I remember Roman was on um, Discord and Reddit before I knew what either of those were. And I was like afraid of them. I made him like take them off. Like, and he was, he still gives me hell about it, but I I didn't understand it. And it was like scary as a mom, this was years. I mean, this was like five years ago. I was like, I'm not into this. I don't want you in these weird places. And now I'm understanding like how integral that is for sharing information. Like 
especially when COVID first happened, like I didn't have billable work for months. And I was like on Reddit, I found more information on Reddit on how to like pause my car payment for a month, right? Like they were forgiving that. People were sharing so many, so much like detailed information about like how to navigate complex things. And it, it's just been a great, a great tool. And I think when your kids are my kids age, they're the things that they're going to have access to. We can't even wrap our head around and, and begin to imagine like how the world is going to work and what it's going to look like. Because like you talked about 2011, I remember 2011, I worked at the Timberwolves and social media was just booming where we were having players tweet about stuff like and leaking information that PR like press hadn't even squeaked out yet. And nobody even like knew how to handle anything. Like nobody knew how to handle the immediacy of the ability to get information out to, to large masses of individuals, you know? It's, it's absolutely. And, you know, when I first social media, wasn't a career path either, you know, back in my day when it was starting to, you know, I just always leaned into it. That was my direction, whatever it was, I would just kind of follow it. And, you know, honestly, my parents were always trying to get me to go in a different career path, go be a lawyer, go be a psychologist, go, and, you know, I tried it and it was never really my vibe. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I got into this program at Georgetown was communication technology because I heard some people at the coffee shop that I used to know doing work on it. And I was like, what are you doing work on that you get to talk about Facebook? And like, that's at that, at that point, Facebook was cool. Not, I know it's very much not the case anymore. No offense, Mark. But, you know, like it's, uh, and then, uh, but honestly, like I, I didn't have the grades to get in. And at the time I would pirate music or allegedly pirate music and we got shut down by the FBI. But like I was able to show we would have 200,000 people come to our website every month. And so yeah. I knew how to generate, uh, you know, uh, you know, music, you know, do use the internet to kind of do different things. And I wasn't legit, but I was like, I want to go legit through Georgetown. Help me. Every report I did was on social media. I, cu- I come out, there was an agency that was like, Hey, we need, you know, people in the government to help us with social media. I was like, this sounds boring, but I joined it. And then that's what led to originally the path that, that, that is with Zoom. So, uh, and you're absolutely right. The creator economy and how social media is being used now at this point, the technology that we have, like pictures are part of language. It's like a hieroglyphic uh, for a moving image, like a GIF is now it conveys so much uh, conversation. It's like a hieroglyphic part of our language now where we didn't have that technology. And exactly back in that day, it's like, if you talk to people on the internet and someone's going to come pick you up a stranger and take you to where you go, that would sound ultimately scary and obscene. Now it's an everyday part of our lives with Uber and Lyft that we're having strangers bring us food and we're getting in strangers' cars to go to different locations. So like these stigmas are constantly changing of what's possible and how it's accepted and how we're leveraging these different networks uh, to get to. I mean, Uber and in Instacart and all these huge systems couldn't even exist without the smartphone. And now we're going to be going into AR glasses. And now that metaverse and digital, like I want to understand the value of what a Travis Scott concert's worth in Fortnite and what the brand experience can be. But it's just fascinating to hear how we've kind of always followed and been on the edge of it. And now where we are, we're still hyped on where it's continuously going. At some point, it's going to be difficult for us to continue with it, like you said, but we'll be working with people using the fundamentals we learned in that to help navigate forward. But it it is fascinating. And I think also, you know, making sure that we're surrounded by really smart people, you know, that get it. And, and I, 
I understand top line the esports industry. I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, right? And all I do is utilize the skills and tools that I've learned over the years and apply them into this industry, right? Um, and and I'm you know pretty unafraid to try new things or to learn new things, which has lent very well in in this space. But I always make sure, like if if I if I have questions about Discord, I called Dylan Pomeroy, who you listened to his his podcast episode that launched a couple of weeks ago. Dylan is like my Discord guy. I mean, he really, really understands how to leverage Discord and how to build communities in Discord. So I really like to surround myself with people that have a better understanding and a deeper understanding of how to get things done. Like I've I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time. And when I talked to Jacob Miles at Map Esports, I just told him that was one of my goals and aspirations. And he's like, let's do it. Right. So I just schedule guests and talk just like we're doing right now. But Sia and Aaron and the rest of the team, they're the ones who bring everything to life, you know? And um, that's what I just love about the gaming and esports community as a whole is there's so many people who have really deep knowledge on um, different areas. And it's such a collaborative space where you can just raise your hand and say, hey, I need to know this, or I'd like to try this, or I'd like to do this. And everybody kind of rallies rallies around each other, rallies together and um, helps one another out, which I've never, I've never experienced anything like that, like that before. I mean, in pro sports, there's no way that that you'd get a deal done because we we got a Waconia Brewery deal done with Minnesota Rocker where we've got our own custom beer and it's purple and it's awesome and it's like a summer shandy. It's delicious. And um, the cans are awesome. The packaging is super cool. They've been hosting watch parties. Like it's, it's a really great partnership. And I had other teams, um, other esports teams literally text me and call me and ask me, how did you guys make that happen? Like, what did you do? What was it? And so I was able to share the story of how Dylan, again, Dylan was able to, you know, make that, make that deal happen and, and really lead that. There's no way in the NBA that you could just make that call and they'd give you that Intel. <laughs> like they just would not do that. You no. know, you, you could go to like, you know, the, the NBA and, and the MLB, they all have like BAM and, Teambo and all of those types of layers. And that's your rep who's going to give you general insight about what holistically things are, are, you know, happening and strategy, but you're not necessarily sharing the nitty gritty guts of who you're talking to, or even helping, helping other teams sell or advocating for them. Like that's just like not done anywhere else. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, And I, you know, I think some of it is, uh, you know, different uh, generations of who's in charge and who's in power, because the different generations kind of bring different aspects of it, of their willingness to kind of do things in different ways. You know, I love getting in conversations with people that uh, are in the same space as us. And it's weird. Like if I see them downloading a report, a lot of them do, and I'll reach out to them. Some will never respond. They're like, Amir, go away. F you, you know, we're, you know, uh, and we're not, uh, you know, but some of them will engage and we talk about ways that, Hey, we do this. This is how we do it. Uh, it's a little bit different than you guys. Is there ways that we can work together? You know, Apple is one of the biggest uh, purchasers of glass from Samsung, right? There's different ways that competitors or competitive mates can work together to help each other 
and uh, you know push each other to to and not that you're exactly competitors, but the way that information shared is that you know the rise a rising tide raises all boats. Yes. So yeah. how can we help? You know, we're not all you know for we're all trees, not competing for the same. You know, it's one sun that can give us all the same amount of sunlight, and so it's uh, you know if you can figure that out and work together, it's uh, and just kind of put your ego at the door that you're helping everyone else. That's a special way to kind of take it to the next. And you're absolutely right in gaming. It's it's really unparalleled how open everyone is and how exciting, and just how embracing everyone is that that want to get into it. It's like. Oh yeah, I see how you're writing esports with the lowercase e and capital S, and you know this is how you do, it and here's how you go. Like people want to teach them and want to get more people involved. Right? Yeah, I think so too. And it's one interesting thing about your guys's business model that I wanted to ask you about before. I know we're like almost like running short on time, but one thing that's always really intrigued me is you know you're a B two B company. But your insights are this are so deep in in consumer insights. And how is that like hard when you're talking to like prospects? How are you able to convey that be, even though you're not like the consumer like directly tied to these consumers, that you're able to provide that level of insight? Like are do they get it right away? You know, different customers will come with different levels of sophistication and understanding. Uh, when when people get into, like, you know, a lot of people don't realize that uh, impressions for accounts that you don't own are not provided in, on social media platforms. Like, I can't tell how many impressions your Twitter handle gets because you're not authenticated into Zoom and I don't have access in any sort of way. So we have to project that information and how we walk you through how we do it. And we're one of the best at how, how, how that gets done. But there is a lot of knowledge that some people don't realize has to be, you know, I guess a lot of process that has to be done in order to get and achieve certain things. And people are, you know, I think some of it is that, you know, social media is free. So why is this, you know, and it's very difficult to kind of do and achieve some of these results. We try our best to kind of walk them through. And, and, and what we do is we personalize every demo so that it's hard. It is incredibly hard to do that. And, but we do that intentionally and spend that time up front so that you on your end know that data and can see the impact and you're like, whoa, this is a level I haven't seen before. And this matches my gut instinct. And that's what we want to do. We want to show, yeah, what you thought that hunch is right, or you're way wrong. That's not correct. Right. And so, uh, and how we do it, we're very open. We don't want to be a black box. You know, my Twitter bio, for example, says rookie dad, lucky husband, because this is dad. You can, you know, I'm a parent uh, because it's husband, you know, that I'm married. There's different ways that you can infer from the social media data of how people act verbal and non-verbally. And what we've done is we create these footprints to allow people and their express nature and capture that. Uh, it's not the same as survey data. Survey data, you can get, you know, how many cars do you have? How many children? You know, all those kind of questions that get really granular and sometimes creepy. But like, you know, what we're trying to do is like get, you know, uh, by your actions alone, are you into these products? Are you into pop music? Are you into hip hop? You know, how are you, you know, we're judging that based off what you follow, what you engage with, but without saying that it's Rebecca and Amir, just this group that follow this handle also do these things. And so that's our way of kind of trying to make it as easy as possible. The other thing that we do, we realized is eliminate any friction between us and our customer. And we learned that we got retweeted by The Rock three times, Gary Vaynerchuk, 
you know, when he did his Mr. Peanut Super Bowl ad, uh, um, you know, Casey Neistat, right? And we realized, okay, if we serve content about someone that's influential at the right time and place, they're going to share that with their audience. But then we realized those people don't have the audiences that we want, right? They, it was a lot of dopamine hits from the engagement. Then we yeah. realized, okay, if we can put out these reports on what's possible on esports teams, and show them exactly where they rank and how they fall, they're going to reach out to us and want to understand how were we able to do that. And then we sort of explain to them through that. So we realized very quickly that we had to show first what is possible, flood the industry with that kind of insights, have them now understand what we're doing, and then ask, how are we doing it? And how can we do it for them? If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think then it's like exactly what you're also trying to teach your clients, right? Like you can, you can do, maybe you do a big campaign with, um, you know, a, a company like phase clan or hundred T, but it might not resonate. You might find better partnership where they have smaller amount of followers, but those followers are hyper engaged because there's a lot of people that will follow phase clan because they're phase clan. Right. That, but that doesn't mean they're regularly engaging with anything. It was like a quick ad, perhaps, right? A quick follow. Um, so, you know, if it comes to really comes down to like, what's the overall objective? What's the goal? And then how do you reverse engineer that and find that right, you know, niche audience that that message or that brand is really going to resonate with? And I love that you shared about Louis Vuitton because. I think about brands like Louis Vuitton and esports as this as non-transactional but aspirational and brand awareness for later in life. And maybe they'll get maybe you get one thing, like maybe you get a belt or a little like attache clutch or something. Yeah. Because then you can kind of have that clout, right? Like there's this, this esports clout that is around brand affinity. But if you can get people caring about Louis Vuitton for years and years, then that's really going to inform maybe a big luggage purchase down the road, right? Which is a high price point. So that's kind of how I feel when taking a look at the the market and the space overall is like really understanding not only some short-term gains, but also really long-term brand awareness at a time when these young people are making decisions of like what brands they're going to be loyal to for ever really, you know, it's fascinating. You know, there's one, so there's a couple there's, I don't know where the study was. So this is kind of, I hate doing this, but like the, there's one traditional sport that's very similar to esports for why people watch and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Or it's not the main one that you would think about. Um, but it was golf. And the reason why that the same reasons behind people watching golf or start watching golf and why people start watching esports is they play the same game and they want to improve their gameplay by watching and seeing what they can take from that. The other thing that's fascinating is the way that uh, gaming and esports fans engage is very similar to women's sports and their fandom. And it's celebration of sponsorship, knowing that this is a creator marketer exchange that they understand that when they get a new sponsor, this is good for them, which is good for you because that that means more content is coming. And so, you know, when, when national women's soccer league had Budweiser and they go into championship, you couldn't go to a bar in Chicago and get Budweiser that was playing the game because so many women were buying it out of respect saying like, you're supporting me, I'm supporting you. So same with that aspirational, they might not be able to make that transaction today, but they will 
will remember that you were there and they will come back to you at that point when you were there for them when no one else was and that that connection is something that can't be art, you know authentic you know can't be artificial it's something that they showed that they were there and i i, I think you're absolutely right they're making long step you know i call it farming is you're planting a seed in hopes that this is going to bring an, a, you know, a redwood. And in some instances, it will, some instances it won't. But I think for brands, it, that was a great time and opportunity to go and experiment because we're at the ground level. Like the next phase, yeah. these partnership deals are going to be a lot bigger for the right holder and a lot more expensive for the brands. So get in now while you can experiment and see what you can do. And you're going to see those profits come in the long term. If you're focused on long-term goal and, and investment, into it, which you should always be as a marketer and brand, uh, you're going to see that investment turn into something uh, positive for you and your organization. That is literally the perfect way to end this podcast. Thanks, buddy. I love it. Yeah, my um, pleasure. This was great. Dog costs and all. So for so for listeners, how can they uh, get in touch with you? How can they reach you? Yeah, uh, like like hopefully like anyone uh, in, in the in the new world, tweet me at Zenozi. I'm at Zenozi on all things social, uh, at Zoom on, and uh, you know feel free to uh, you know DM, tweet, engage anyway. Uh, send carrier pigeons, whatever have you. Um, Zenozi or Zenos on Xbox Live. If you're playing Call of Duty, add me. Let's go. I have a terrible KD ratio, but I'm pretty good with the P90 in shipyard. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So, Thank you so much for coming on and um, sharing your insights. Really awesome conversation. I think I've, 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 I've got another recording like right after this, but I would have probably been able to talk for another hour with you. <laughs> no, likewise, let's, let's do this again with that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's keep the conversation going. Can't wait to listen. And thanks for everything that you do for the industry. Uh, you're helping it move it forward. And uh, we love watching and listening. Well, thank you. And thank I mean, your tool helps people like me uh, get, get better and do better and do better for our clients. So I appreciate it as well. So thanks for what you guys do. I love it. Second thing I'll have to show my mom. Thank you. <laughs>